Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the State Department of Health's Chris Ayersman on the Delta variant and its impact in Minnesota, tips from the State Department of Labor and Industry for hiring a contractor, and a Minnesota wrestler is in the Olympics. But first... The political swirl continued this week around embattled State Representative John Thompson, first under fire for racial profiling accusations he made during a traffic stop, then dogged with questions about his residency, and this week, more serious allegations. MNN's Bill Werner brings us up to date. Scott, Governor Tim Walz, and House Speaker Melissa Hortman, among top Democrats, calling on Thompson to step down amid allegations of domestic abuse. News stories cited police reports from Superior, Wisconsin, St. Paul, and Egan from 2003 through 2011 that Thompson allegedly hit or choked a woman or women, allegedly with children present in some cases. The Wisconsin report said Thompson threatened and ran from officers and resisted arrest. Governor Walls called for Thompson's immediate resignation, saying in a statement, quote, the alleged acts of violence against multiple women outlined in these reports are serious and deeply disturbing. Thompson said he would not resign. Early in the week, the governor renewed his call for Thompson's resignation, saying Minnesota must focus on recovery from COVID, racism, plus an emerging drought. However, now for about 10 days, that's not the lead story. It's one individual's personal things. And and at that point in time, I think um, the legislature will make the things they need to do so that we can talk about important things. House Republicans demanded Democratic Speaker Melissa Hortman take swift action. Deputy Minority Leader Ann New Brindley. We are prepared to file ethics complaints. We have been prepared. Our concern is that in the minority, we're rather limited. We can file those ethics complaints, but ultimately it's going to take action by Democrats to hold Representative Thompson accountable. We can't do that on our own. There's talk about that rather than a special session, or at least a special session specifically for this, that perhaps it could be dealt with in September when we're talking about the frontline worker uh, a special session. Uh, anyway, um, what do you think about that? Uh, that that would the argument I, I think is that that would allow the ethics process, uh, assuming there are ethics complaints forthcoming, to to play out before there would be a final judgment, as it were, by the Minnesota House sometime in September. You know. Action needs to be taken now, and it needs to be swift. Republicans are trying to force Democrats to take action against Thompson rather than initiating it themselves through an ethics complaint or complaints. Hamlin University analyst David Schultz on the strategy. It puts the Democrats, especially in the House of Representatives, in a difficult position, and especially the Speaker of the House. To a large extent, if the Democrats... Um, start to press on this in terms of an ethics inquiry. They run the risk of alienating communities of color. Um, and at the same time, if the Democrats don't do anything, this becomes a potent political issue for the Republicans to raise. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult uh, um, problem for, for the Democrats in general uh, in terms of how um, they're, they're, they have to play this because there does seem to be, at the bottom line here, some concern about the race issue, but that can't hide a whole bunch of other issues surrounding 
the representative. House Speaker Melissa Hortman indicated she would wait until a court case is decided before considering any possible action against Thompson. Later that same day, a jury in Hennepin County found Thompson guilty of misdemeanor charges of obstruction of justice relating to a 2019 altercation at a Twin Cities hospital. Thompson said he's not a criminal and that he and his family were shown disrespect and inhumanity, which he says would not have happened to a white family. I'm going to continue to fight for people who look just like me, and people who don't have a voice. I'm going to continue to be that voice. It's a bump in the road for me, man. Meanwhile, House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd said top Democrats' statements ring hollow when they refuse to hold Thompson accountable. Hamlin University Professor Schultz says the position House Speaker Hortman is in. I don't think she has a, a good choice in this matter um, in terms of what she can do um, outside of hoping that it blows over pretty rapidly, but I don't think it's going to. That's Hamlin University Professor David Schultz. I also want to touch all too briefly on an issue that is moving toward front and center on politicians' radar screens, namely Minnesota and the nation's worsening drought and all of its side effects. I think that this will probably go down as the most significant wildfire smoke event that we've seen in our recent history since we've been measuring fine particles beginning about in the year 2000. David Brown with the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. After air conditions over most of Minnesota at one point this week turned at least unhealthy, very unhealthy in many areas, even hazardous in some parts of north-central Minnesota. That because of smoke from large wildfires across the border in Ontario and Manitoba. Governor Walls visited a farm in Polk County in northwest Minnesota, saying he's hearing loud and clear, especially from livestock producers, that they need access to concert Conservation Reserve Program, CRP land for forage. The numbers are pretty stunning in this county alone about what would happen if some of that is able to be opened up. And those are things that I talked to uh, Secretary Vilsack about. And Scott, I think most Minnesotans would agree that one of the things we need most right now is rain. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Cases of COVID-19 continue to rise across Minnesota, and state health officials continue to monitor that closely. Here's Tasha Radel with an update. New infections are accelerating in Minnesota, but not at the pace as seen in other states. However, the ability of the Delta variant to spread rapidly could change the landscape across the state. Joining me today is Chris Ayersman, Minnesota's Infectious Disease Director. Chris, let's start with vaccinations uh, before we dive into the surge in cases. How is Minnesota doing? 
Well, um, a couple of things. I mean, it's, I think we need to celebrate the fact that we reached um, the president's goal of having 70% of our um, 18 and older population vaccinated by July 1st. That's a that's a wonderful milestone, and we need to we need to celebrate that. But I do want to acknowledge that that coverage is not, um, you know, dispersed evenly across the state. We know that um, Greater Minnesota, on average, is not as vaccinated as the metro area, so they have a lower. Um, overall vaccination coverage, and we know that when we look at county-specific rates, that there are some counties that have much lower vaccination rates. And so what's concerning about that is that as we're seeing the Delta variant increase in its spread globally and across the United States and even in Minnesota, we're really concerned about areas with lower vaccination rates that we could see um, an increase in cases there and clusters of disease. So we're continuing to vaccinate and our partners um, in local public health and in healthcare um, continue to offer vaccination. We're working to, you know, make sure that there are targeted opportunities. So at fairs and festivals and special events, but know that, you know, pharmacies and healthcare providers are still still offering vaccines. So we want to make sure that people take advantage of vaccination because we are concerned about um, pro having protection across the state with the increasing um, spread that we're seeing because of the variants. Chris, I understand the highly transmissible COVID-19 Delta variant is responsible for around 75% of new cases in the state. What is kind of fueling the surge? What we're, what we're seeing at this point is that um, the majority of our cases, the vast majority of our cases are in unvaccinated people. When we look at the data um, on vaccinated individuals, you know, 99.9% .9 of those people who've been vaccinated don't get COVID. So our concern is that for some of these regions of the state, where there is lower vaccination, that that will be kind of the, the fuel for a potential fire um, with increased spread caused by the variant. So we, we feel like we have an opportunity, a window of opportunity to get people vaccinated. So from what I'm learning today, it seems kind of the biggest goals at task are getting more people vaccinated and really trying to slow down transmission as much as we can. The reason that we're concerned about transmission, even in, you know, younger people who may not um, typically have seen, you know, um, as much serious disease as we may have seen in our elders, first of all, that we're seeing that our age at hospitalization is decreasing and that with our variants, we are seeing, you know, a greater proportion of cases hospitalized and things. So we want to prevent transmission because Every time the virus is transmitted, it replicates, and every time it replicates, it has the chance to mutate, and that mutation is what's caused variants. And those variants, you know, they have the ability to be more transmissible, which is what we're seeing, to be more severe, to, um, you know, evade the treatments that we currently have available, to evade the vaccine. So we don't want to see variants. 
So in order to really stop that, we've got to stop <laughs> transmission. So I think that's, that's part of the message is, um, you know, you may think, hey, it's not a big deal for me, um, but you know what? Just the, the process of having transmission puts, puts everybody at risk for more variants. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Ayersman, Minnesota's Infectious Disease Director. And before I throw it back to you, Scott, kind of want to recap what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. Again, although Minnesota is inching slowly toward its goal of vaccinating 70% of those 16 and older with at least one shot, 47% of the state's total population is not fully vaccinated, including children who are not yet eligible for the vaccine. Minnesota showed the 11th lowest rate of COVID-19 case growth in the nation. That's according to CDC findings this week. Now, case growth in Minnesota had been declining since its most recent peak in mid-April. Cases began slowly rising again shortly after the July 4th holiday. So far this month, health investigators have not detected any COVID-19 outbreaks in bars or restaurants and only three in social settings. However, some outbreaks may not have been discovered if contact tracing was unsuccessful. Stay healthy, Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha, for that important update. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The state is cracking down on unlicensed contractors as we make our way through storm season. I spoke with Minnesota Department of Labor and Industries' Charlie Durenberger about why it's important for consumers to choose their contractors wisely. Well, the main reason that it's important is that licensed contractors contribute to what's called the Contractor Recovery Fund. And that's the consumer protection component of the state's contractor licensing program. And it allows consumers to actually get money uh, as compensation when they're harmed financially by a contractor's failure to complete a project or uh, dishonest practices. And if you hire a licensed contractor, you can get access to that fund. If you hire an unlicensed contractor, you cannot get funds from the uh, contractor recovery fund, and you're pretty much on your own trying to make yourself whole if you, are, uh, if you do suffer a financial loss. And I have heard horror stories in the past from folks that uh, have gone with unlicensed contractors and things just end up sort of being a disaster. What what are the things that folks should be looking for? Well, of course, the first thing is to make sure that they are licensed and, and recognize that uh, the lowest bid is not going to be the best way to go because you ought usually get what you pay for. And the guys that are unlicensed are the ones that aren't going to be paying for liability insurance or workers' comp insurance. They're not paying for their continuing education, which is a licensing requirement. Uh, they, they may be misclassifying their workers as independent contractors when they should be treating them as employees. Uh, so these are all things that are, are very, very important. And don't just look at the bottom line because, uh, you, you're, you, again, you're going to get what you pay for. And uh, the guys that aren't licensed, if you have problems with them, there's very little that the state of Minnesota can do to help you. As far as what the state of Minnesota can do to help you, uh, give me some uh, examples, if you don't mind, of ways that the state is able to help if you do go with a licensed contractor and you run into some sort of conflict. Well, certainly uh, any consumer can file a complaint with our department, and we'll investigate it whether the contractor is licensed or not. But if the contractor isn't licensed, all we can do is order the contractor to stop acting as a contractor and fine them but that doesn't help the consumer. Uh, if the contractor is licensed, and uh, we believe that they may have engaged in conduct that would be a, 
a basis for enforcement action against their license, and we could use the threat of enforcement action to get them to make uh, make the consumer whole or or at least treat them more fairly, uh, and if need be, to, uh, end up taking enforcement action against the license. And that's another thing that consumers should be looking for when they check a contractor's license is, is to see that they have they do not have a history of enforcement uh, action with the Department of Labor and Industry, which uh, it can be seen very easily on the license tool, a lookup tool on our website. I'm imagining you cover cases, uh, conflict cases statewide. Uh, roughly how many complaints do you get about contractors each year? Is that something you information you're privy to? Yeah, we usually get between six and 800 formal complaints against residential building contractors uh, each year. Uh, we also investigate complaints against electricians and plumbers, but we don't get uh, nearly as many complaints against uh, those contractors as we do uh, the home improvement contractors, home builders, remodelers. Um, uh, but it's primarily home improvement contractors. So it seems like more of them are the uh, the siding, roofing, windows, and, and uh, frequently they are uh, as a result of storm damage repair. You know, there are uh, websites out there, things like Angie's List and uh, the Better Business Bureau. Are those good sites to go to to try to determine if somebody has a good record? Well, I would say it's a, it's a place to, to see if somebody has a good record, but it's more importantly a place to see if they have a bad record. Because uh, I would not trust a, a website other than the Department of Labor and Industries to guarantee you that you're going to have a, a good experience with a contractor. Uh, but some of these websites are good at warning you off the ones that are very bad. But I would definitely encourage consumers not to rely on, uh, on websites or uh, places like Thumbtack and that sort of thing to find a, a contractor because we found many, many unlicensed contractors are soliciting work through those uh, online platforms. And uh, uh, m- many of the complaints that we get now from homeowners who've hired an unlicensed contractor start out by explaining how they found this unlicensed contractor online. So I would definitely caution consumers about finding contractors that way. And Charlie, what about these folks that come door to door with unsolicited offers? You know, maybe they've they've taken a look at your house and they say, well, we noticed you've had hail damage and we can take care of this. Uh, is that a, ever a good idea to take advantage of, of those kinds of offers? Well, it, first of all, it depends on whether you actually have damage, and it depends on whether the contractor is licensed by the state of Minnesota. Um, certainly, if the if the contractor is is upfront with you and explains exactly what they're doing, and if they give you a piece of paper to sign, this is the most important factor. Is any piece of paper that you're asked to sign by a contractor is going to be a contract. So we've had complaints from homeowners who've been approached by these salesmen who say, uh, I just need you to sign this piece of paper to authorize me to talk to your insurance company or authorize me to go on your roof. Uh, but in reality, it's a contract. And if you sign it, it means you're locked into using that contractor if they and your insurance company can come to an agreement on a scope of work and a price. Uh, and So you need to be very careful about signing anything that a contractor puts in front of you. Charlie, that's all very valuable information. Anything else you can think of that our listeners should be aware of? Uh, no, just uh, the key is make sure that any contractor that you hire to work on your home is licensed by the Department of Labor and Industry. Go on our website. We have uh, our license lookup tool, which is very easy to use, and you can find out how long a contractor has been licensed, whether we've taken enforcement action against them. And we also have a, t- a page with tips for consumers on hiring contractors, including a link to the state court system's website 
which is really valuable because that allows you to put in business names and individual names to check for criminal histories, uh, judgments, lawsuits, and that sort of thing, because that's another piece of research that you want to do before you hire somebody uh, to work on your home or, or really to enter into any sort of a business relationship. So I think that that, that uh, website is very valuable in a lot of different areas in a consumer's life. Thank you to my guest, the Minnesota Department of Labor and Industries, Charlie Durenberger. We'll be back with more Minnesota Matters after this. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher wrestling star Gable Steveson of Apple Valley is in Tokyo getting ready for the Summer Olympics. Steveson has won the NCAA championship once and the Big Ten championship twice with Minnesota and now is the U.S. representative in the 125-kilogram division of freestyle wrestling. He's hoping for a gold medal in Japan. Before he left, he spoke with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm about what it means to represent the USA at the Olympics. I'm feeling real good about the Olympic Games. I'm, I'm gonna go in there and do my job, like always. Um, my workout regime, just just basic things I've done through the year to help me win the national title. Same thing I'm doing now, but it's gonna be put on a bigger stage, more people watching. But that's what I live for. You live for them big crowds and big matches and and gold medals. And so it, it's uh, the work's gonna pay off. It's almost almost my time to go, and so it's it's exciting time, and I'm ready to put on put on a good show. Yeah, you mentioned that pressure. I think people, you know, because you've had such success, are like, well, this guy is going to win a gold medal, but this is like a, a the next step up from college wrestling. You're talking about every wrestler in the world. Uh, you're wrestling freestyle. So what is the pressure like, and what uh, give me a handicap this a little bit. Who are maybe some of the guys that you'll be, you know, you know you have to go up against and beat if you want to bring home gold? Um, some of the guys got to go up against is uh, Turkey, Jordan. Iran, top three front runners. Um, Turkey is the 2016 Olympian, multiple time world champ, you know. But like I say, it's, it's the Olympic Games. Everybody's a star to the wrestler. Everybody's coming in here accoladed, trying to win a gold medal. It's not new. It's I, I do this. I live for moments like these. And I'm sure a lot of people, if they're in my position, they will live for a moment like this. But when them, when them bright lights hit and then millions of people watch me wrestle, that's when Gable turns into an entertainer. And it's it's my time to shine at that point. And like I said, it's what, it's what kids like me look forward to. And and, but I'm that one kid that, that, that gets to live in that spotlight for now, and I'm going to take advantage of it and, like I said, put on a good show and represent America well. Yeah, living the dream for sure. And when you're an Olympic or when you're a wrestler growing up, obviously you think of national titles, you have an opportunity to wrestle college, but the Olympics seems to me that that's the pinnacle of the sport, right? If you win a gold medal, you have reached the very top, tip top that you can in this sport. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I agree with it. Being an Olympic team is the pinnacle. Winning a national title is, is some people's pinnacle. But my pinnacle is getting that Olympic gold and, and showing people on the baddest dude in the world, <laughs> not just in the country. How much have you let your mind wander to the point of what it would be like to stand on that podium, hear the anthem playing, have that medal draped around your neck? And how much is, like, I don't want to go down that road yet because you have to go out and earn it, obviously. I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I feel that um, feel that hearing my name with the, the American flag rep above me and the song playing in the background. But also I see myself not having that spot, and I see myself not getting to that point, making mistakes. But that's how the game goes. You got to see both sides of the parties, and so. But at the end of the day, I don't want to see that one side, the other half. I want to see that gold medal half. And so, you got to envision both sides. You got to envision what it like being a champion. You got to envision what it like being a losing that one day. But personally, I don't want to see myself lose. I'm just gonna go hammer it out and and see myself with that American flag above my above me. That's all I'm playing, and that gold medal wrapped around my neck. You uh, are wrestling in the freestyle event in the Olympics. There is no folk style, which is college style. But I think when you and I talked last time, you you have hinted that you think you're maybe even a better freestyler than folk styler anyway. So do you feel good about that part of it? Yeah, I feel good about it. At the end of the day, wrestling's wrestling. You know, um, folks, folks down freestyle just a tad bit different. But I still got to take you down. I still got to break you. I still got to show my dominance on the mat. And at the end of the day, I still got to entertain the crowd. Is there a strategy you have heading into this in terms of, you know, keeping what you have done to work? Are you would you consider yourself an aggressive wrestler? Or how would you describe yourself? Um, I consider myself overall aggressive, move my feet, athletic, confident. Use all those. I think I could pull it off. All right. I want to also ask you about your trademark uh, backflip. Um, will we see that in Tokyo? You only see it after that gold medal match. You will not see it again. That's it. That will be it, huh? Yep. <laughs> so That's you, it, it's gold or nothing if we want to see the backflip. Yep. Yeah. That's it. I like that. That's a good attitude to take in there. Uh, you mentioned also the spotlight. Obviously, you're going to have the eyes of the world on you. I think one of the downsides, unfortunately, is now they have said because of the health situation that there won't be fans. That said, you spent basically this entire past year wrestling in front of no fans collegiately. So do you feel like that maybe in a weird way has prepared you for, for what you might see in Tokyo with uh, with an empty arena other than just the wrestlers? Uh, no, I think um, no fans, fans. I, I go out there and do my job. You know, it's, a, it's at this time, I'm, a, I'm an Olympic athlete. I'm a professional at this level. I've uh, been through the NCAA tournament with no fans. It didn't bother me. I'm going to go through the Olympic tournament with no fans. It's, it's still not going to bother me. As long as um, everyone back home can watch tune in that's fine with me what has the feedback been like i know you have uh, what a quarter of a million instagram followers or more and um who are you hearing from and, and how much fun is that part of it as well you've mentioned a few times now that you of course want to entertain the people and and you have certainly done that yeah i've heard from a lot of big people a lot of a lot of special people out there reaching out um i could probably name some names you know lesnar lesnar reaches out i know the bachelor i met the bachelor at wrestlemania one day <laughs> which is crazy because, there's, you know, it's a bachelor. I don't know how he paid attention to wrestling, but he likes it. But there's a lot of people that reached out. There's a lot of people that are tuned in, a lot of people supporting. And uh, shout-out to all of them for reaching out to me and uh, making sure that I'm, I'm on my game and give me wise words to go out there and perform and let people know that, that they're on my side. And so it's a, it's a big stage, biggest stage of my life, but we live from almost like this, and we live for them, them big, big celebrities that come tune in to our matches and give us shout-outs and let them know they're supporting us. And so – it's, that's how it goes. The the bigger the athlete you get, the more people, the more eyes that are on you. And so, like I said, this I live for moments like this. This is nothing new. I'm gonna go out there and take my time and, and wrestle my best six minutes and four matches and hopefully bring that hardware home. That's Gopher superstar wrestler Gable Steveson. 
and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. And that is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.